as was mentioned uh, before in so in so many ways, so many eloquent ways this morning by different brothers uh, who have come to edify us with their prayers and their comments around the Lord's table. And we've mentioned the idea that although we don't have any special or different type of worship on this Sunday, the fact that it is Easter Sunday seems to motivate people to make an extra effort to be at church service this morning. That's a good thing. We're happy. We have many out today, and with good reason, because as has been said nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ rose from the dead after being crucified and buried for three days, and he appeared to over 500 of his disciples over 40-day period, and then his apostles watched in wonder as he ascended into heaven before their very eyes. Of course, this, in a very brief summary, is the story of Jesus' resurrection as it was recorded by the eyewitnesses of that time and preserved for us in the, uh, in the Bible for our instruction and our edification. Of course, if I was preaching to a group of people who had never heard of Jesus before or who had very little faith, I would spend a lot more time explaining the details of his miraculous conception by the power of the Holy Spirit his birth through the Virgin Mary, his spectacular ministry of teaching and miracles among the Jews. I would certainly take a lot of time to talk about his death on the cross and his subsequent resurrection three days later. But most of you, I would say all of you, know and believe these things and have even taught others about Jesus' life and ministry followed by his death and resurrection. So I'm not going to go over that material I think we all know this. As Jeff said, the simple story, it's a simple story. So this morning, I'm not going to delve into this familiar material. Instead, I'd like to pursue the reasons that Jesus had to resurrect. You see, Jesus could have been on the cross and gone into the ground and then from the death on the cross, gone straight to heaven. His work complete. But he didn't do that. Ever wonder why? Why did he resurrect and why did he stay here for for 40 days? The Bible gives us specific answers to this question. And this morning I I want to answer that question for us. Why did Jesus have to resurrect? First of all, he had to resurrect to prove who he was. And if I ask someone, who is Jesus Christ? The answer would be, well, Jesus, well, he's the Son of God, or he's divine, or or he's the Messiah. And all these answers would be correct. This is who the Bible says that Jesus is. Now, if I were to ask, what proof do you have that he is divine? What proof do you have that he is the Messiah or the Son of God? What would you answer? And if you said that your proof was, well, look at all the wonderful teachings we have of him, In the Bible, what about the miracle? His kindness, his goodness, what about those things? And if you answered that, you'd be wrong. You see, Jesus did all these things, but the Bible doesn't present these things as the proof of his divinity, the sign that he was the the Messiah. No, the Bible says that his resurrection from the dead This was the undeniable event that God himself established as the one true sign of his divine nature. Paul explains this to the philosophers and the thinkers in Athens when he preached to them, saying, 
God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in right, in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof. Listen to what I say. Having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Acts chapter 17 verse 31. So Paul is standing in front of the great thinkers of the time. And as Jeff said, he doesn't wrap his message around in fancy philosophy or high-sounding words. He says to these men that the proof that God provides all men that Jesus was the legitimate Savior and judge was his resurrection. Yes, the miracles, yes, the teaching, yes, the life pointed to his true identification, but the resurrection itself was the primary evidence that God provide. And this was not something new. The fact that resurrection from the dead was to be the key sign pointing to the true Messiah and Savior was also spoken of by the prophets. When they talked about the one to watch out for, they pointed to the resurrection as the key sign. Isaiah, for example, spoke of the necessary suffering, death, and resurrection of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53. And Peter quotes David, the psalmist, chapter 16, verse 8 to 11, where David prophesies that the eventual resurrection of God's righteous one would take place in the future. And Paul summarizes this entire argument in the first few verses of his letter to the Romans. In chapter, uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, he says, I, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. The resurrection, that, you want proof? That's the proof. Now, many prophets and special servants of God also spoke the words of God. They lived good lives. They performed mighty miracles. Even some prophets raised people from the dead. And many in our lifetimes have become religious movements with millions of followers. And many have died as martyrs defending their causes. But only Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead according to prophecies made about him. No one ever prophesied about Muhammad's coming or the Buddha, but the prophets spoke of Jesus and his resurrection. And so Jesus had to resurrect in order to prove that he was indeed the one true divine Messiah sent by God to save all men, spoken of by the prophets. And so when someone questions your faith in Jesus and why you believe that He, and only He, is the divine Son of God, your answer should be that you believe because God has provided Jesus' resurrection as the final proof of His identity. Another reason why He had to resurrect. He had to resurrect in order to demonstrate His sinlessness. Paul the Apostle again summarizes what the relationship between sin and death was. He said, the wage of sin is death. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. In other words, 
the result or the outcome of sinfulness in your life is the eventual decay and death of your body. That's the relationship between sin and death. Well, Jesus was executed, and when the Roman officials were sure that he was dead, they put a spear into him, and blood and water poured out, signifying his physical death. And then they placed him in a tomb. Now, had God, had Jesus gone straight to heaven from the tomb, many could have accused him of not, of not being without sin, since death had the last say in his life. You know, when I die and when I'm put into the ground, there will be absolutely no doubt that I was a sinner. My death will be the proof that I carried around a sinful flesh for a short number of years. And so had Jesus remained in the tomb, the same conclusion would have been drawn about him. That's why people are always trying to deny the resurrection. You kill that, you've killed everything. And so had Jesus remained in that tomb, the conclusion that people will have about me would be the same conclusion they'd have about him. Now someone might ask, well, what's so important about Jesus being without sin? That Jesus was without sin was important because in order to make a sacrifice good enough to remove all of our sins, that sacrifice, that life offered, had to be perfect. It had to be without a single sin. Again, Paul says it this way, For as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Here Paul is referring to Adam and Jesus. He's comparing Adam to Jesus. And he says that by disobedience, which is sin, Adam forfeited his life and became subject to death. And in so doing, clouded all of our natures with sin. Then he says Jesus came, and by his obedience, meaning he was without sin, he was able to recover not only the life that Adam lost through sin, but also the lives of every single person who were affected by Adam's sin. And so when Peter gets up on Pentecost Sunday to preach the gospel, he begins his sermon by establishing the fact that Jesus rose from the dead because death couldn't hold him. He says it this way, And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Acts 2, verse 24. So before going on to offer the good news of forgiveness and reconciliation, Peter demonstrates that Jesus, through his sacrifice and resurrection, could legitimately offer this gift. You see, Jesus had to rise from the dead to prove that his was indeed a perfect and sinless sacrifice able to remove the sins from our sinful and imperfect lives. Without his resurrection, we could never be sure that what he did actually could accomplish what he said it would accomplish. And then finally, he had to resurrect in order to prove that we could resurrect. That's really important. He had to do it to prove that we could do it. You know, I, I love those makeover shows on TV. I have to confess. I don't actually watch them. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm going through the living room. My children watch them. 
I'm just observing over their shoulders, but I love it when they do that. You know, they take somebody, they redo their hair and their makeup and their clothes. You know what I'm saying? You see those clothes. They come out, everybody goes, whoa, look at the makeover. Now, this type of program is especially effective when they're trying to sell, you know, exercise tapes or diet books or systems, things like that. Have you ever noticed what they do? They'll, they'll show a video or a picture of someone who's really, you know, 200 pounds overweight, you know, big guy, 385, 400. And then they'll bring him out after the weight loss, slim down, buff, you know, everybody goes, whoa, because they saw the picture, right? They saw the picture. And then they talk about the special diet or the exercise book or tape or whatever that gets the results. And you buy this stuff, don't you? Oh, I bet you if I went to your, I wouldn't bet, but anyways, if I went to your house, I, you know, I might find some of them exercise things on the tape, on the, on the, you know, I might find some of that. Some of those machines, you know, we got a guy here, anyways. We'll be giving the 800 number later. Now, if you even remember what I'm talking about now, you buy the stuff. And why do you buy it? Because you believe. That's why you buy it. You believe. And why do you believe? Because you saw the transformation before your very eyes. That's why you believe. Now, imagine if they showed the, the 500-pound guy on a video and then claimed that he was down to above 195 of pure muscle, but you had no picture, no credible witness. Just the company's word for it. The guy comes on on the video and he says, Well, Tony, we would love to be here today to show you how buff he is, but he's at the beach. Would you buy the stuff? Would you buy the diet plan? Would you buy the book? Whatever. Maybe you would, but I don't know. It, it might be a tough sell. Well, from the moment Adam and Eve were removed from the perfect harmony of the Garden of Eden, Man's greatest fear and man's greatest problem has been the fear of dying. He fears it because it's associated with suffering and the unknown. And people try to deal with death in a lot of ways. They go into denial by living exclusively to enjoy their existence here on earth. Or they try to be philosophical and accept its inevitability. But no one has managed to come back from the dead. I don't mean just an incident where they're, they're clinically dead for a few minutes and then, the, you know, they come back. I mean dead, 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 dead. The funeral, you know, dead. They're in the, they're in the coffin. They're in the ground. And then a week later they say, hey, I'm back. Let me tell you what I was like. Well, nobody except Jesus, that is. And the good news he brings is that we don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Because it's not final. Because he tells us there is life after the experience of death. And his resurrection is the proof that we need. The Hebrew writer explains it this way in Hebrews um, chapter uh, 2, beginning in verse 14. He says, since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself, meaning Jesus, shared in flesh and blood, meaning he became a man. He says, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death 
he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. Because we fear death, all of us, because we fear death, Satan is able to seduce us into all kinds of behavior that sets our hope and love on this world and this life only. You know why people are, are worldly? Because they're afraid of dying, that's why. They're afraid of missing out on something. They want to sniff up and eat up and breathe in and consume as much of this life as possible because they're afraid that there's no life after this life. Now, worldliness is a sign of lack of faith. That's, that's all it is. And lack of faith is generated by fear. But through his resurrection, Jesus showed that death has been conquered and we could be free to look forward to another life, a better place than this place. You know, I've done a lot of funerals as a minister in 22 years. And I can tell you there's a big difference between the funeral we had here this week for Marvin, and the funeral that I've had to do for some rascals out there. I'm serious. Where I had to really think about, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And there was a big difference between the funeral we had here this week and the funeral that I've done for these rascals where the people are throwing themselves on the floor and they're on the coffin and they're pulling their hair out and they're, they're just... So despondent. Why? Because it'll never be the same. I'll never see them again. They have no hope. And especially a funeral where you actually have the body lying in state. They look at that stone, cold, hard body and they have two, three hundred people filed by the coffin and they touch the hand and the hand is cold like a rock. And they go away. And you know how they feel? They're saying, that's me. Me. I'm a heart attack away. I'm, I'm a car running over me away from being this guy. Jesus' resurrection showed everyone that resurrection from the dead was possible. It was possible. And Jesus went one step further than merely proving that he had the power to resurrect. He also offered resurrection to everyone who desired it. It wasn't the case of, ah, oh, here I am, you know, I'm, you know, I'm asbestos. I'm fireproof. He said, no, 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 you see this? You know why I did this? I did this to prove to you that you can do it too. He said, and I quote, for this is the will of my Father that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Can you twist that to mean anything else? other than a promise, a direct promise that what happened to me will happen to you, and I guarantee it. So Jesus could have gone straight to heaven to be with the Father and sent out the apostles to preach resurrection for all believers. But without a demonstration, it would be difficult for us to believe. Jesus had to resurrect to show us who are hard of heart and slow to believe that our own resurrection would indeed be possible because His was possible. 
So, as Ken said also before, let's not allow the spring weather and the chocolate bunnies to cloud our vision of what this day is really about. It's about the actual physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A resurrection done in a very public way in order to prove once and for all time that He is the divine Savior. I don't care what religion you look at in the world, nobody has a risen Savior, only us. He did it to demonstrate that He was sinless and His sacrifice was sufficient to wipe away all our sins. I'll say it another way. Every time you fail, every time you mess up, He didn't. He didn't. And he did it to assure us that our resurrection was possible because his was accomplished. And so what is left is to decide what each of us will do with the resurrection of Jesus. What do we do with this thing? Well, you can ignore it or deny it, in which case you forfeit your own. You see, if you reject Jesus' resurrection, there is nowhere else to go for life after death. He's the only Savior who not only promises it, but he backs up his promise with having accomplished it. There's no other Savior that will give you resurrection. Only Jesus. You reject him, you reject you. Or you can believe it and obtain it for yourself. Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. Do you ever wonder saved from what? Well, saved from being that stone-hard, cold body in the ground forever. That's what you're saved from. This is the way to receive the promise of resurrection. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God because He's given you proof and obey His command to repent and be baptized. Once you have done this, the Bible promises that all who remain faithful to Him to the end will receive resurrection and the eternal life that comes with it. And finally, there's one other option, and that is you can believe again. You see, some people believe and respond to Christ, but with time they start to fade. They live more in this world. They forget that death is coming and resurrection will become an important issue. I've told you before, when I go to hospitals to see people who are dying from cancer or tumors or whatever, they don't care if their mortgage isn't paid off. They don't care if nobody washed their vet this week. They don't care about picking up their dry cleaning. They don't care. They don't care. The only thing they want to talk about is this. Am I okay? Am I okay with God? Because I only have a few days left or a few hours left. Am I, am I okay with God? Well, when you're hooked up in the hospital and you got tubes, it's not the time to start figuring out if you're okay with God. The time to figure out if you're okay with God is now. When you're healthy enough to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, bring on the water, I'll be immersed to wash away my sins, and I'm ready to serve Him. Now is the acceptable day of salvation. If that is you, then I encourage you to believe again and be restored to Christ through prayer and be filled with hope and joy that comes with the knowledge that no matter what happens in this life, the resurrection is coming. Don't leave this place today without making up your mind about the glorious resurrection. If your decision moves you to come forward, then I encourage you to do that now as we stand and as we sing our song of encouragement.